We are in chapter 31 of the book of Genesis. I'm going to just recap from chapter 30. So in chapter 30, uh, 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 Jacob had put in his 14 years for his two wives. Uh, You you saw how he was deceived by his father-in-law Laban. And he had put in his 14 years and he said, I've, I've got to leave now. I got and he didn't have anything except his wives and his children. He didn't have any flocks, any herds, nothing. And then his father-in-law says, you know, I, I see I've been so blessed because you've been here. And that's the blessing that comes upon people through this lineage, that blessing that was promised to Abraham. Those who bless you, I will bless. And he, and every, and he says, I've seen everything you touch is blessed. He says, what do I have to pay you to get you to stay? He says, okay, if you want me to stay, don't pay me anything. Just give me, give me some breeding stock. I'll still take care of all your flocks, all your herds. All I want from you is the black, the black ones among the lambs and the multicolored ones among the sheep. And among the goats, I just want the ones that have a lot of white in them so that they're, they're speckled. That's probably 10 or 15% of Laban's flocks. He says, just give me that as a breeding stock. <clears throat> From that stock, I will, I will uh, uh, have my own animals. Only the animals that are spotted and streaked, those will be the ones that will be mine that are birthed from these. And then I'll put this original breeding stock back with your herds. Because in that part of the world, the, the goats are generally brown or black, and the sheep are generally white. You go there today, you see this, the same patterns there. So the speckled ones are going to be the rare ones. He says, you don't have to give me anything. I'll just take the offspring from these. Because God had told him, as we're going to read in chapter 31, God had given him a dream and showed him how the ones that were mating were going to be the speckled and the spotted ones. In six years, he built up such a fortune His flocks were so successful, and at the same time, Laban's flocks were not successful during the same six-year period. And we'll see why that happened to Laban. But if you look at the last verse in chapter 30 of Genesis, so Genesis chapter 30, verse 43 says, So the man, that is Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous, and he had large flocks and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So he went from having nothing but his wife and his children in, in uh, six years earlier to being able to build up flocks and herds of his own so much that through that he was able to, to purchase uh, 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 camels and donkeys and male and female servants. <clears throat> so he became a very wealthy man. Again, this is the blessing that was promised to Abraham and to his offspring. So let's pick it up from Genesis chapter 31, reading at verse 1. Genesis 31, 1. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's from what belonged to our father. He has made all this wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and he called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field. And he said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. 
you know that I have served your father with all my heart, with, with all my strength. Your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flocks were mating that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled and mottled. Then the angel of the Lord, uh, uh, the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. He said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, where and you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. Okay, so let's go back to verse 1. So Jacob hears from, it says, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what has belonged to our father, and he has made all, all this wealth. So if you recall from chapter 30, when he said, just give me the spotted and the speckled as a breeding stock, from them I will start breeding. The, and Laban said, great, we'll do it. And then at that instant, Laban took all the ones which were striped and spotted and gave them to his sons three days' journey away. That was, that was Jacob's breeding stock. He gypped him, he cheated him on the very same day that he made the agreement. So all that Jacob could do was to remain with all the, the pure, the, the pure white ones among the sheep and the, and, and the pure brown and black ones among the goats and wait for a striped one to be born among them and then use those as the breeding stock. Nonetheless, in six years, he became very wealthy. And so Jacob's sons, who are now three days journey away, see how much this guy's flocks have just increased relative to the smaller flock now that, that uh, uh, Laban had left him, that didn't do well at all. And you see exactly the blessing for blessing and the curse for curse. What he told Abraham is, those who bless you I will bless, those who curse you I will curse. Remember the two words curse that we had looked at in the, earlier in the book of Genesis are different. Those who curse you I will curse. In the original it's those who disesteem you I will harm. It's not even equal. If they just look poorly upon you, I will harm them. And now you see what is happening. Because Laban has gypped Jacob these multiple times. He says, you want to take away his flock? You want to take away his breeding stock? You want to gyp him? Okay, I'm going to take out my wrath upon your flocks. Blessing for blessing, curse for curse in kind. You cursed him based on the flocks. I'm going to curse your, your, your flocks. That's why I tell people, if you, don't, if you don't like the Jewish people, don't say anything. 
Just don't, don't, you don't have to like them. Just don't say anything. But when you start coming against them, remember, there's a blessing for blessing and a curse for curse in kind. And so you see the practical outworking of that. And this is not true at all. What his sons are saying that he's taken all our wealth. Jacob had nothing to do with this. Jacob was continuing to take care of the, 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 the flock that was, that was, uh, um, that belonged to Laban, but it was not breeding well because God had cursed it. And so in verse two, Jacob's attitude, it says, Jacob saw the attitude of Laban and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. So Laban's attitude had now really changed. So then it says, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to your land, the land of your fathers, to your relatives, and I will be with you. So God is the one who told him to return. God is the one who said, go back to your land now. So he served 14 years for the two women. He served six years. So he's been there 20 years. God says, return. And he says, I will be with you. Remember when the Bible, when God says, I will or I shall, it has to happen. Nothing on heaven and on earth can stop it when God says, I will. Because his word commands the earth to do things. Once he says, I will, the earth has to comply. He says, I will be with you. Return now. It was God who told him to return. He didn't make this decision on his own. God told him to return. He says, I will be with you. If you go back to to Genesis chapter 28, when he was leaving 20 years earlier, when he was going into that land, God had met him. And God said to him in verse 15 of chapter 28 of Genesis, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And that word until doesn't mean as soon as I brought you back, I'm going to abandon you. That means throughout. When Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of the age. He doesn't mean as soon as the end of the age comes, I'm out of here. No, it means I shall be with you through the end of the age, right through it. And, and so he made the promise 20 years earlier, and now he's come. So you see that from the first time Jacob had God appear to him and speak till the second time was a 20-year span. If you think that God was speaking to these patriarchs all the time, you have a misconception. They would go years, periods of years. I think we had looked at, at Abraham. They had gone like a period of 15 or 20 years before God had spoken to him again. Sometimes you don't hear clear voices, but you persist in seeking the Lord. When Jacob was going into the land, his heart changed. He knew he had done wrong to his father. Remember when he was born, God called him Tam, this Hebrew word Tam. Only spoken of, of Noah and Job. Also spoken of Jacob. He was a very good guy. He lived an upright life. And, and, uh, uh, and so then in verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said, this is back in, verse, in chapter 31, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Verse 4, So Jacob called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field. He called them out to his flock. He didn't go back to the tent. Because there's lots of servants around. They might have heard word and they would take word back to, to, to Laban and his sons. He called them out to the field where, where you know, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no Alexa there that might hear and, and, uh, 
and, and, and transfer the message. And so he takes them out to the field. So he calls his two wives out, to, two wives out to the field. Remember, we had looked in, in earlier in chapter 30, all the, the, the dysfunction in his family, where these two wives are bickering over him. Who's he gonna, who's he gonna be with that night? And, and, uh, uh, Rachel seemed to have charge over who he was gonna sleep with that night. I mean, it was total dysfunction, a total mess was his, his family. But now, He's 20 years, he, he's, uh, uh, so, so he's, um, he's 13 years into this marriage. There were seven years that he served before he was married, married, then seven years after and another six years. So he's 13 years now into his marriage. And he's able to call the two wives out to his, the field and to talk with them and have a normal discussion. You see, his family went through a time of great dysfunction. And we we highlighted that dysfunction two weeks ago. I mean, every step, every verse is another dysfunctional sign in a family. But now his family's back together. He stuck it out. This is why you persist in marriage and you stick it out. Because these things can recover. They recover. You work on marriages and they recover. I've been through times in my in my marriage where we just didn't get along. We go to counseling and we get tuned up and... And we're okay. And now I just love being with my wife. I want you to have in your marriage what I have in my marriage. I really do. Remember, when troubles start, you persist. You don't give up on this thing. You don't give up. Because everybody goes through struggles. And you'll think that nobody's going through what I'm going through. Trust me, people are going through what you go through. All the time. All the time. People go through this, even in Christian marriages. And you persist. And now his family's back together. They're one. He's able to talk with his two wives and have a normal conversation with him. And they're agreeing with each other. And they're all in agreement. This is that totally dysfunctional family. You persist. You hold on. You work through marriage. You work it through. Because better times are on the horizon. Better times will come. You'll work it through. And you'll get to to really love each other and enjoy each other. Persist in this. And so you see he has this relationship with his wives. And then he says uh, in verse 5, he said to them, I see your father's attitude that it's not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. The God of my father has been with me. God is the one who blessed my work. God is the one who made it fruitful. You know, the Bible teaches us in two different ways. Sometimes it gives us instruction. Do this, do this, do this, do this. The law was like that. There were 613 commandments given to Moses. In the New Testament, again, there are specific commandments of Jesus. But by and large, throughout the scriptures, we are taught through lessons. We, God gives us examples of people's lives where we see his character and we see the outcome of their decisions. When they make decisions to obey God, you see the fruit of it. When they make decisions to disobey God, you see the fruit of that. You see the outcome of that. And it's, 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 it's always depressing fruit when we disobey God. You see these patterns. God has chosen primarily to speak to us through looking at other people's lives. This is what you do in science. You look at the way things work and you figure it out. Okay. This is how it works. You do this, this is going to happen. You do that, something else happens. 
When you're studying science, it doesn't shout out and say, do this and this will happen. No, you, you, you track with this and you follow it and these patterns hold over and over again. And this is how science develops. It's exactly the same in the Bible. You follow these patterns. What's the pattern we see here? The pattern we see here is God was with him. He recognized this. God was with me. God was with me through all of this. And then he, he says in, in verse in verse 6, you know that I served your father with all my strength. With all his strength, he served the, the, their father. He wasn't messing around. And in the next chapter, we're going to see day and night. He says, I was freezing at night sometimes. I couldn't even get warm. In the daytime, it was just sweltering heat. I was working through all these years, these 20 years, I served your father. And they didn't, they didn't say, oh, no, you didn't. No, they, they concurred. I mean, they, they didn't say this is not true. They had seen this. They saw how, how he worked. Remember when he'd come in from the field, when he was coming in from the field, you, you know, Leah would run up to him and say, you have to stay with me tonight because I bought you with my son's mandrakes. I mean, that was during the dysfunctional time. But he was coming in from the field. So he says, verse 7, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. So Laban changed the wages ten times, not just on that first occasion when he said, yeah, it's a deal. And then he took all the breeding stock and he sent it away. That was the first time he changed the wages. He changed it nine more times. Like, how did he change it? He describes it to his wives. He says, he says here, in verse 8, if he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then the flocks brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then the flock brought forth striped. So in other words, originally he was supposed to get the striped, the spotted, and the mottled, the speckled. And so he was supposed to get all of those. But then Laban would come and say, no, you're getting too big here. Only the striped are going to be your wages. All right, boom, God makes it so only striped ones are born. And he says, no, only spotted ones are going to be your wages. Okay, God, here's it. Only spotted ones are born. Do you see the way God intercedes on our careers if we will trust him? This is what I want to communicate to you. This is not God afar off. He is teaching us that as we worship him, as we follow him, he blesses our careers over and over again. He blesses our careers. This is what he does. This is how God operates. Do you see the pattern here of how God operates? If you follow him, he will bless you. He will bless your career, even when it looks like things aren't going to go well because somebody has cheated you ten times. God makes it work out for you. That's the pattern. This is not to show us something so we can read about some distant person that has nothing to do with our lives. Why would God give us this book to learn from if it did not apply to our own lives? In your career, you honor him. And so if you look back in, in, verse, in verse 33 of chapter 30, chapter 30, verse 33, Jacob said, so my honesty will answer for me when you come concerning my wages. In other words, he says, my honesty is going to answer for me. If I walk uprightly before my God, God will take care of me. My honesty will answer for me. I'm not going to steal any of your flock. My honesty will answer for me. You walk uprightly and God will bless you. You walk uprightly and God will bless you. Look in, in, in Psalm 112, Psalm 112, verse 4. I love this psalm. Psalm 112, verse 4, talks about the person who walks uprightly. But look just at verse 4. 
Psalm 112, verse 4. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. I pray this prayer all the time. Results come to me. Students bring these results. I'm like, I don't know what this means. And I will pray a prayer. I say, Lord, your word says light arises in the darkness for the upright. Your word also says that darkness and the light are the same to you. So where others can't see, you see, you see. Lord, show me what this means. Lord, show me what this result means. Lord, what's here? So much, so many times we get results and we don't really appreciate what it means. We don't know how to exploit this to our own good. You know, we go, oh, that's interesting. And we blow it off. I mean, this nuggets of gold, people just toss away because they don't realize the value of a result that they see in science. This happens many times. And that's why the trained eye, the trained eye will see this and see the value of it. You can have two people, sometimes students bring me a result and I say, this is amazing. And they don't even know what I'm talking about. What this means, the magnitude of what this means that you just found here. And they were just going to, you know, throw this in the trash heap. Like, no, 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 this is, this is precious. This is really good. And, and because light arises in the darkness for the upright, when you walk uprightly with the Lord, light arises for you. If you cheat on something, if you, if you take software that doesn't belong to you, if you take things that don't belong to you and think it's going to benefit your career, your career will suffer. Your career will suffer. He said, my honesty will answer. My honesty will answer for me. And so he says, he says, your father changed the wages 10 times. Whatever, whatever he said that, that I was supposed to get, boom, God blessed it. In verse 9, thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. It was through these new births that God transferred everything to Jacob. He didn't take anything of Laban's. God took it from him. God did it. Because blessing for blessing and curse for curse. You're going to curse this offspring of Abraham. I'm going to curse you exactly the same way. He told Pharaoh, you cursed the children of Israel. You wanted to kill all their firstborn. All your firstborn are going to die. You wanted to kill off their males. Your entire army dies in that, 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 uh, that Nile River. And so you see that blessing for blessing and curse for curse has tracked exactly as God has said. Then he said in verse 10, And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in the dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. So in his dream, God gave him a dream. It was God who told him that the striped ones, those are the ones you want. It was, had nothing to do with these sticks that he, was, that he was putting these marks on. That was the tradition of the day. God had already told him it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's exactly how it happened. And then it says, then the angel of God, every time it says in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, this is pre-incarnate Christ. This is a, a, a presentation of the Lord. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. 
So you see, God sees. God sees everything you go through. If you think you are all alone, and, and if God would just pay attention to me, like, God's like, uh, I see you. <laughs> God sees everything. He sees everything you go through. Is, is your boss unkind to you? God sees that. You continue to walk in honor. You continue to walk in uprightness. Don't slander them. And watch God bless you. God sees it. God allows all sorts of things. Why would God allow him to go through this for six years of this guy changing his wages ten times? Why would God let him go through all this? Why would he do it? Doesn't God see? God saw everything. He said, I have seen all that God has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. Whoa, I am the God of Bethel. So if you go back, if you go back to uh, chapter 28, if you go back to, to chapter 28, it says, it says in, in verse, um, in verse 19, he called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God. Jacob named that place back in the land of Canaan when he was on his way going to, to get a wife. God, Jacob named, Jacob himself named the place Bethel. So God uses that name of the city. God even used the name of that city that Jacob had named. You see how much, how much authority he gives to humankind that he himself, okay, you name the city Bethel, I'll call it Bethel. Before that, it says the name of the city was Luz. God didn't call it Luz. He called it Bethel. He called it by Jacob's name, what Jacob called it. He says, I'm the God of Bethel. I see you. I was the same God who was there 20 years ago with you in Bethel. He says, remember? He says, where you anointed the pillar? Remember you anointed the pillar? I remember. Do you remember? He says, Jacob, do you remember you anointed that pillar 20 years ago? Where you made a vow to me? He says, you made that vow. He says, have you forgotten? I I remember. God sees. God sees all this and he remembers this. He says, now arise, leave the land and leave this land and return to the land of your birth. So that's the second time. So back back up in, uh, in verse three, he told him to return to the land. And then again, in verse 13, he tells him again, return to the land. There's no mistake here. It's time to return. Then, then Rachel and Leah, it says, uh, Rachel and Leah said to him, do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. Laban squandered everything. All this 20 years of work, 14 years of good hard labor for his two daughters. In fact, in those days, you can read it in the Hammurabi texts. You can read it that it was the custom that a dowry was paid by the man to, to the, the, the father of the girls. And, and, and so he paid his dowry through 14 years. But the father was to take from that very dowry that he had gotten and to bless back his daughters to help them get established in marriage. He never gave them anything back. And it says he squandered it. All this labor that they had gotten, 14 years of labor for them, his father kept it to himself and he squandered it. He didn't even use it. He squandered it. And he says, he, they've, he, my, our own father has treated us like a foreigner. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. 
Now then do whatever God has said to you. You see now, this family has come together as a unit. This family is now together. A family that was in utter chaos. Remember this. One day when you are married, your family, there's going to be some real frictions between you and your spouse. This will arise. Trust me, you're not alone. If this doesn't happen, I will gladly be proved wrong. I will gladly. But when it happens, just remember, there will be better times on the horizon. Don't give up on this thing. Don't give up. People on the world, people in the world will say, just divorce the guy. Just divorce the woman. I mean, who, who, who could... Who could stay together? Just do it. I mean, you will get lots of encouragement, even from believers, to break up that marriage. I urge you, just remember, it will come back together. It will come back together. It's 20 years, and now we see this marital unit is back together. And they are all one in this decision. You know, when I was, I would, I was talking about this a little bit earlier, about how... how how it says, God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. I'm going back with you to the land. When God said, I will be with you. He said to him, he, he said in, uh, um, in verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, where you made a vow. Now arise, leave this land and return to the land of your birth. The very thing that God had told them earlier, I will be with you. He said, this whole time I've been with you. This whole time. Through the marital struggles, I was with you. Through the marital struggles. I hadn't left you in all of that. I was with you all of that time. When you go through struggles, God is with you. God is with you. That's why Jesus said, Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. Lo, I'm with you. He guarantees us that he's with us. I want you to turn to to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to close on this verse. Matthew chapter 11. And I want to speak this particularly to, to my Chinese friends because my heart is just with you. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it must be like that you are here and they are in China with this, you know, people have to... I have, I have my former students. I mean, they're, they're professors and they're emailing me from their homes. I mean, they haven't come out of their homes for two weeks. And, and, and the, the military is bringing food to, to, to homes and dropping them off. So... So people don't have to go out and go shopping. And so all that you're going through, I want to leave you with this encouraging word. I want to leave you with this word. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at what Jesus is saying. He says, come to me, come to me. In the midst of what you are going through, in the midst of the pain that you're going through for your family, Jesus says, come to me, come to me. He says, I'll give you peace in the midst of this. You come to Jesus and you pray for your family, intercede for your family and watch Jesus bring peace. This is exactly what he he, he does. He does this. He is with you. Sometimes we go through things and we wonder, is God still there? He is very much there. And he wants us to learn to call upon him. Please learn to call upon him. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you today, 
to come to know Him. I urge you today to pray. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Please pray that prayer today. Today we're going to have lunch in my home afterward. I urge you to come over my home. I'm going to be sharing with some people my testimony and about how Jesus came into my life. And I want to share with you, I want to welcome you to hear that message. Come to the Lord today. Look what Jesus says. He says, come to me. Jesus says in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me. Jesus says, come, come to me. This is the call of the gospel. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. He says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, that means people who have a lot of weight on their shoulders, people who are carrying a lot of burden. I can only imagine the burden you're carrying for your family that's there in China. You're so far away and you're so worried about what's going on there. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. If you've got this heavy load, perfect time, perfect time, come to me. You don't have to wait till everything's going well to come to Jesus. It's actually hard to come to Jesus in those times. It's in times like this. He says, come to me. I'll help you carry that load. He says, I will give you rest. This whole disturbing time you have where you can't sleep, worrying about your family. He says, come, I'll give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So in other words, what we do is we come to, the, we come to Jesus and we take all our burdens and all our cares like we're carrying like a 50-pound pack on our back. And we take it and we throw it at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, I'll carry that. Now I want to give you something to carry. Here is my love. Here is my love. Here is my grace. Here is my mercy. You take this upon you. That's what I'm asking you to carry. Just take my grace, my love upon you. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus says, come and learn from me. Jesus will begin to instruct you. When you get saved, what will happen to, what happened to me will happen to you. The Bible was a closed book to me. I didn't understand it. I wondered why people even cared about this book. When I got saved, when Jesus came into my life, this book came alive. And this book will come alive for you. This book will come alive. He says, he says, take, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. He says, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll see how sweet Jesus is. He says, I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Look what he says. You will find it. Remember when the Bible says will? It has to happen. He, when he says you will find rest, nothing in heaven and earth can get in the way of that. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You will find rest for your souls. I urge you this day, don't pass up this opportunity. Please come. Please come today for lunch. We will sit together at a table and I will tell you about Jesus. And you invite him into your life this day. And you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for the truth of it. And I pray, Lord, particularly this day for the unbelievers who are here. Father, I pray that they would find rest for their souls by giving their lives to Jesus. As Jesus holds out his hands and welcomes them into the kingdom of God, I pray that this very day they would pray, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Father, I pray that this day they would find Jesus. 
Father, open it up, I pray. And Lord, for those here who are believers, Lord, I pray that they would learn that you mean them well. That if they walk in honesty and in uprightness, Father, that you are watching everything and looking out for them. Father, that you will bless their careers and their businesses. Father, I know that these young people, what they think about is, am I going to be successful in this? Am I going to succeed in this? Father, give them rest for their souls. That if they worship you and honor you and do that which is good and right in your eyes, that you will bless them. Lord, I pray your blessing to be upon them, that they would learn from this. And Father, I pray for the marriages among those who are here today and for the marriages that will be. Father, that they would persist through the troubled times and see the family unit come back together again. Father, that they would not get up and and move out of this thing, that they would not listen to the advice of the world, but, Father, that they would persist. Oh, Lord, that they would persist. And, Father, I pray that you bring reconciliation. Lord, that you change the hearts to bring reconciliation and restoration of the marriage. Father, that it would remain together according to your will. And Lord, I lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.